As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome. To the Athletic Football Show, I'm Robert Mays, and joining me tonight, it's my good buddy Nate Tyson. Nate, how are you doing? I'm good. That that might not have been Patriots Rams. The spread might only have been three points, but it just felt that was a startling result. But you so know, so let's start there because I was asking myself this question, and I wanted to ask you this question, which is yeah. get it going. So the yeah. Bucks beat the Chiefs thirty-one to nine in the Super Bowl. I'm sure some of you guys watched. <laughs> One or two. Is that the greatest defensive performance you have ever seen in a Super Bowl in your lifetime? Yeah. In, in my lifetime? So yeah. I, I, I mean, so the only other, only other one up there is the, the Giants-Pats game from 2007, but guess who was the same defense coordinator? <laughs> um, but it's it's not in the same way that that game got done, but that was unbelievable. We talked about right before we got on the show was – Unbelievable was that third down that the Bucks brought where they brought the corner and they brought the nickel and it became created like a little saw pressure. Saw is usually early Sam in the game. Will. Early in the, in the game, sec- I would say. I think the second, second series. Second, second, yeah, I think it might have been the second possession. Second possession. And they brought that and it was like, oh, oh, Bulls got some stuff. Like, mm-hmm. Bulls, okay, all right, let's see what he's got. And then never did it again. And then he just took it all away. Just all that prepping, all that in-between series stuff. And yeah, it caught, caught him leaning. Because it was so funny because when they came out and they did that, for those guys who didn't see it, they brought the nickel and the outside corner on the third down. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh. Like, they're going deep <laughs> into the bag in this game. And I wasn't sure if we had just been totally wrong because yeah. you and I both thought that it was going to be fairly simple, rush four, too high, a lot of two man that play a little bit, you know, not safe, but that was going to be the overall approach. And when they did that, I was like, Maybe they're just going to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. But then over the course of the game, I want to say they only brought four, more than four pass rushers five times the whole game. And they played a lot of two high safeties. So that's what they did. They eventually kind of settled into the game plan we expected from them. But the little tiny details within that game plan were absolute genius. So you and I were talking about this before we started. When they were bringing four... They did. That's what they did all game. And if you look at the pressure numbers, it's absolutely insane. Mahomes was pressured 29 times on 56 dropbacks, according to ESPN Next Gen Stats, which it felt like that, right? When they got their second sack in late in the second half, I was like, they only have two sacks. Seth Walder tweeted this out. An amazing stat. Mahomes ran 497 yards over the course of the game because he was really the entire time. That's an awesome stat. That's amazing. So. They brought four, but they brought it in every conceivable way. Yep. It was the, so they ran the two man, which was like, oh man, I feel smart. Um, and and, and I, I'm telling you, I tweeted it, but I gave one bet this entire season and that was Mahomes would be over 20 something rushing yards and whatever it was, 20 and a half, 22 and a half. Um, but that was the reason why. But any, other than that, it's the pressures they brought, like you just said, even if it was a five man pressure. Like they had Devin White looping on the outside to Mahomes' yep. throwing hand side. So Mahomes has a tendency he can drift. He can drift away from the pressure and kind of help out his protection a little bit and create these throws. And only his arm talent, he's one of the few guys that can get away with it. And 
okay, we're going to let him do that, but let's not make it easy where he can drift to his right. Let's make him drift to his left. That kind of summed up the Bucks thinking the whole whole day was rather than, yeah, he's going to get his stuff in. He's going to get it. Let's just make it as hard as possible and let's rally to tackle. And they did it consistently the entire game. It wasn't just mm-hmm. the first quarter when I was like, damn, going to break. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. Gonna they're, exactly. They're gonna, stuff's yep. going gonna to pop. They ran. Uh, uh, the Chiefs had a all go. Uh, uh, RB seam, you know, a uh, play that we've seen pro- crop up the last few years once everyone stole it from Carson Wentz. We just talked about it too. But they ran another variation of it, and uh, uh, Mahomes ends up checking it down to Hardman on the swing and it goes for a one yard gain. It might not, it might have been a no yard gain. And most times we see that play, especially with the Chiefs running it with so much heat coming at you, everyone just drifts off. You check it down and the guy underneath goes for 14 yards, 12 yards. And it's an easy first down. They ran it and the bucks rallied and tackled. And it was only a one yard gain. I was like, Oh my God, like they're just on everything. I have said several times past few weeks is that the chiefs don't run that much stuff. They do, but they don't, they get really creative in the low red zone. They get really creative on third short and mediums. Other than that, they kind of run what they run and their guys are going to get them, get them in the good spots and they're well coached. They know how to do scramble drill and all that fun stuff. And it just seemed like the bucks go, okay, you're only going to run these seven plays, but we have seven answers for it. And they did it throughout the entire game. And by the time the chiefs adjusted in the second half, the bucks were really in control of the game. It was a fantastic performance from not only the, the Todd Bowles, but the entire bucks like coaching staff and unit. It was, it was just awesome. It was a really, really cool performance. There was a play on the first Chiefs field goal drive of the second half, I want to say it was. It was second down. And Mahomes got the throw off to Kelsey. And Levante David tackled him immediately. It was a short game. That play, to me, was so illuminated so much about why the Bucks defense was so good in this game. Levante David makes the play instantly. No, nothing, no yak whatsoever. He was really good. Yeah. In those situations, and it allowed them to play two man because they trusted him in those spots, and they yeah. tackled instantly. The entire defense did that. They rallied this entire game. There was never any cheap yards that this, the Chiefs were getting on that same play. The Chief or the Bucks had Vitavea as the edge on the right side, and they had Jason Pierre-Paul as the three technique, and Vea just collapses the pocket. Mahomes barely got the ball off because Vea is just eating the left tackle. And I just, and on the next play, Vea did the same thing. Uh, Barrett got the pressure. Mahomes had to throw it away. They kicked the field goal. But that idea of putting Vea at the edge, it was just one of like 10 different ways they created variety up front while not bringing extra bodies. So if you just look at all the different things they did, it's that. It's the amount of games they were running. There was one play that I loved. It was very similar to what we talked about coming into the game. They had all three guys on the right side of the center. And they had Barrett loop all the way around and Mahomes for a second stepped forward like he was going to run and then realized he couldn't because Barrett was there to catch him exactly like you thought might happen coming into this game. And it was just all of that stuff. And I think that the ability to not just rely on your talent advantage along the front four, but to make sure that you were creating just this discomfort with the Chiefs offensive line because guys were coming from a different alignment or it was a different guy or it was a different stunt or it was Devin White looping or it was Devin White adding on and you were only bringing four and only and sometimes five the variation while never putting themselves in a bad spot was just absolutely incredible it was a no hitter Todd Bowles is undeniably the MVP of that game player coach whatever that is in my opinion the best defensive coaching performance I have ever seen in a playoff game. I'm I'm all with you there. It's so I just brought the instance of of Devin White looping on onto Mahomes' right side, but countless times, I countless, they either laid the fool's gold up the middle where Mahomes thought you could step up and then it closed off on him. Like he just shoop shot up on him and he had to get the ball get rid of quick how many times do we see Mahomes legs getting tackled and then he had to like throw some sidearm throw and he almost did oh my god I, I thought one, I saw the Jesus, one where he was I, thought I, saw Jesus. I thought I saw Jesus there <laughs> I like that ball hit the guy's hands I was like <gasps> Like, I actually sounded like a girl. Like I was like so excited at that play. I had to tweet it out because I was just like, I hope everyone else felt the same way I just did because I just saw God right there. <laughs> but it, it's there even the times that he was looping to his right. How many times did Jason Pierre Paul was looping around? And there he was mm-hmm. just this long limbed guy just coming around the corner. And yeah, like you said, it's it's 
it's funny. It's almost like a no hitter. Okay. So like, like you said, you're using the term no hitter pressures. I I've always akin to, all right, the sacks is getting the hit, but the pressures is like taking a walk like in baseball. It's being on yes, base. It's getting those on base. base. It's, it's the on base percentage. And when you accumulate pressure after pressure, after pressure, after pressure, that's like getting a single after single, after single, after single. And then when you hit the, you get the sack, that's like hitting a home run with two guys on base. And that's what I've always like. That's what, even though sometimes like the first game, they only got two sacks, but the whole second half that the Bucks defense was really getting after the chiefs offense. You could see that throughout the entire game of this game. So it was like, they just took a whole bunch of three ball walks over and over and over. And yeah. Okay. Like it wasn't like uh, uh Mahomes was like, they still got a field goal or something like that, but that's winning. That's winning against this oh, team. Absolutely. You're, just, you're taking away those home runs and you're just making them take singles. That is a win. And they just did it the entire night. The entire game, I was waiting for the dam to break, and it never broke. It just never did. It, it's it's unbelievable. It really is. I, I can't stop for just raving about it. I'm just thinking of like the best possible version of all those guys in the front seven, and we saw the best possible version of all of them. Like the way they used Devin White was perfect. Don't drop him into coverage. Let him sit there and be spying and adding on when he needs to yes. and making plays in space and using his athleticism and being bendy as a pass rusher, all of that stuff. Yep. Use Levante David as your coverage linebacker because that's what he's been good at for 10 years. Yep. And use Shaq Barrett just as just this really well-rounded pass rusher. His sack was just such a beautiful instance of using of tying together moves while yeah. continuing to move toward the quarterback. And he just did so grit many- on top of it. Like, yes. That, that, and that like was you, the thing. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, talent, you, just, talent, bu- talent, but just this, the unbelievable effort and just the physical yeah. dominance and the fact that their physicality shined through, they beat them up the entire game. And if you just think about the ways all those guys got to Tampa, it's just such a beautiful kind of, convalescence of team building Devin White's a top 10 pick you need him to be a star he looked like a star tonight Levante David's been there for 10 years and this is his moment he is Mr. Buck he's watched every iteration of this and he's just been consistently great for the last decade and he was again tonight you have Indomitian Sue you signed as that veteran kind of presence that you always need on teams like this JPP you got for next to nothing when they traded for him they traded a third round pick for him I want to say he was a guy in the back half of his career and Shaq Barrett was somebody they signed for five million bucks last year. And even if you the franchise tag, it's like, oh yeah, he's making market money. At 15 million for that guy this year, underpaid. He absolutely yeah. played better than a $15 million pass rusher tonight. And for the course of the entire playoffs and most of the season, he led the NFL in pressures. And it was just so beautiful to see all of it come together and see that amount of talent and all the little puzzle pieces fit in the front seven and for them to kind of single-handedly win this game for this team. When you have a guy that can consistently just win those one-on-ones, it's like just such a unlock so much for your team because then you don't have to run the games and you can just, okay, you run the games, run the games, run the games, run the games, but then you just throw the change up and everyone just straight rushes. Okay. So then you have that left tackle that's, you know, starting to underset because he's expecting, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul or Vita Vea to just shoot into him because he's coming from the inside and then Shaq Barrett's going to loop on the out, uh, loop from the outside to the inside. And all of a sudden you run that and they just straight rush it. And then all of a sudden you got Shaq Barrett on the edge. And if you're a left tackle, a backup left tackle, a third string left tackle, <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, that's a lot of disadvantages that you have to also yeah. be under. It's you have no chip help first off. Second off, you're already undersetting because in the back of your mind, you're going, well, the last time I overset here, Vita Vey just whacked me, earholed me and knocked me off the gap. And That's just what I was everything. saying about keeping them off balance, about always not never knowing where never a guy know. was coming from or who it was. They were just having their head on a swivel the entire game. Simple games, them- a loop, a guy looping from the opposite A gap. They, they ran every type of game possible. It was exactly what we talked about on Thursday or, or Friday morning and just like it came to fruition. They just did it even better because they even threw in that pressure, that, that, that corner nickel pressure. That's the shit that keeps you up at night as an offensive staff, because all of a sudden that series ends, that's a third down. You're off the field. You're pissed off. You're going, all right, what happened on third down? Okay. We look at the Microsoft service service tablet. Great advertisement right there. So all of a sudden you're looking at, you're looking at this play. You're looking at this play. Okay. Next time we're in six man protection. We're going to call it like this. We're going to call it like this. You're wasting mental energy. Sometimes more of the win is just taking away the energy of what they're adjusting to. If you spent, they spent all that time wasting all that mental energy on how we protect that third down pressure you just brought. We just 
we can't talk about first down. We can't talk about second down. We can't talk about the run plays we like. We can't talk about uh, a screen we might like. You're just taking away something out of their toolbox and making them emphasize something else. That's what that kind of pressure can do. And the fact that it hits home, I hope you guys can hear Midge right now. She says hi, but <laughs> but that, but that is what what uh, but that is what the that kind of pressure can do. It's just that kind of change up can just keep. It, it's really like if you all of a sudden see a batter getting a change up or, or a 12, six curve and all of a sudden their knees buckle and they're like, Oh, wasn't <laughs> expecting that. That's what a pressure like that is. That's the exact same comparison I can have, by the way, like Mahomes got out of, I, I keep talking about this pressure. Mahomes broke out of it and almost completed he got a hero sacked throw. three times. He got sacked like 20. three it times. Like 20. You, you could have told me 10 and I would have, yeah. inst- I would have been like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. 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 I, I could see 10 sacks. He I honestly didn't hit. know it was three until you just said that right now. I thought it was five. Three sacks, <laughs> eight, eight hits. Four of those hits from Shaq Barrett. It's impossible for a defensive player to win the MVP of the game if he doesn't have like five sacks or like ridiculous plays or a touchdown. But I think if you look at the actual guys who are the most valuable on the field in terms of their impact on the game, you could make a serious argument that he was the most valuable player for the Bucs tonight. Yeah. Uh, God, it, it was a great team effort. And we haven't even talked about the offense. I mean, the the on the flip side is they they stuck with the run game. They I want to ask you though, I want to before we move on to the offense, I want to ask you, is there anything you were surprised that the Chiefs didn't go to? Like what it was there an adjustment that screen game. you thought they but th- that they went to that early though. But that then was they the went thing. away from it. They and they they so you would have kept you just kept hitting that. Even because in my the way I was thinking about that, because I, mean, I, I had a similar thought. But then when I was watching the first half and they were going to it, I was like, this is a win. If you're yeah. making them go to this, you're already in their heads and you're already dictating the game. And that's kind of, that was yeah. my thought about it. If you kept going to it, it wasn't really working for them. It just, I don't know. It felt like I, in the first well, couple of possessions. They couldn't get a rhythm for it. You know, sometimes sure. that's where that's where Andy Reid's really those awesome tight end screens that we see from him where they're two guys going different directions and everything. That comes in the middle of a drive. So I think maybe they couldn't just get in the rhythm of where Reed is comfortable. He's not a guy that really goes like a first and 10 screen. It's almost like he does on a third and short or maybe a second and long when he's expecting soft coverage. That's where Reed likes his, his screen game. Um, I thought, I thought the screen game, they couldn't go to a draw game because games, D line games will take away draws because, um, because O line setting pass setting, you run a game; it just makes it edgy. Unless you, you're really well coached for it, um, I think. I think with the screen stuff, I thought there would be a little more from it. I just think the game got out of hand. That they were just like, "No, we need chunks," and they weren't willing to take the maybe two yard gains that they wanted, uh, or not that they didn't want. They wanted just chunks, chunks, chunks. But guess what? Every pass play just seemed to push Mahomes out of the pocket. Which sometimes, most of the times, we're all like, "Oh yeah, that's fine. Like Mahomes is going to make it work." Yeah, but. It wasn't working today. It, it it was a fantastic game plan. It really was. It's the the other thing too was um, I just didn't think they had the time to get to anything else they wanted. When you're that's getting, kind of my thing. Would they just destroying the up, game too much that it was just there was nothing. There you was could no have what, you could have whatever you want game planned up. If if your O line's getting their asses kicked, okay, the run game. Well, the run game was okay in second half, but like other than quick game, passing game, or RPOs. You're really taking out a lot of the pass game. And Chiefs, especially in the second half of the season, they're not much of a traditional play action team anymore. They don't really they haven't run leak in like seven, eight, nine weeks now. They've gotten away from that. And I get it with the O line and those issues as well. I just thought maybe they had to go against type. Sometimes when the defense is so on your shit, and I'm king of Mr. Lean into it, but this is where you just truly have to go into your changeup just over and over and over and just lean into it. Everyone's waiting on your fastball and you going through the scramble plays. But guess what? The Bucks guys were ready for the scramble drills. I don't know what coaching they did. I can't wait to watch it all at 22 because then you can see how the DBs were moving with these plays. Mahomes getting pushed out of pocket. He wasn't finding anything right away. He was like, ah, and he's like one year out of bounds, throwing something sidearm, flicking it up. And it's like, okay, so what was it, what were the DBs doing? And that means awesome job to the DBs coach for the Bucks. Awesome job to the Bucks DBs. Like awesome job to their coverage unit. Great. It was just a great performance for them. The play I want to talk about before we get to the Bucks offense that I think is really shines a light on what we're talking about here. There was a third and four in the second quarter when the Chiefs had the ball. And they tried to run that screen to Darrell Williams. Remember that? Yep. And they the problem is when you're running screens and they're not blitzing, their guy's just waiting yep. on it. 
Wait, so they're in a corner. There were there was instant penetration. I can't remember who it was by. It might have been by a defensive tackle or one of the backup defensive ends. It wasn't what I don't think it was it was Barrett on that play, but he got instant penetration and kind of got in Mahomes' face. And then White was right there to break up the screen. So yep. yeah, it would make sense if you're getting a lot of pressure to throw some screens, but when they're not bringing more than four guys and the linebackers are sitting there waiting for it, sifting it through traffic the way that these guys can. That's not an answer either. And that's why yeah. that, that play is really sticks in my mind. It's like, man, we can't do anything. Like there, We have absolutely no answers against this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. So let's go to the offensive side. There was a, a sequence that I really loved, and it was on the Bucks' first touchdown drive. And I kind of felt like, oh, they're... They're in now. Like they're really locked in now. And it started Brady. It was, I assume it was a called pass and Brady checks, you know, it was a kill, kill, kill. I think yeah. Godwin comes in. They run duo, right? Shocking. They run it three times. <laughs> in a, they run it three times in a row. Next play, play action. Come back to Antonio Brown on the right side. Next play, play action screen to Cam Brate. They go down. That was the Gronkowski touchdown on the RPO. They're in. I was like, that was, I tweeted out. I was like, Byron Leftwich, that's a hell of a drive. That is a throw and fire drive. And that to me was the moment where they settled in. And they were like, our game is going to be, if you want to bring all this heat, we're going to run straight at you. We're going to run screens and we're going to run play action. And we trust that we're going to be able to gash you that way. And they, guess what? They did. That's exactly what they went through the entire game. I before we get into some specifics, I want to throw out Brady's play action numbers at one point. I asked for them. We got them from next gen stat. I found them on next gen. End of the third quarter. End of the third end quarter. Of the, end of the third. It was about around the end of the third quarter. It was around thirty attempts for Brady. I, I, I the sacks were in there, so I had a hard time. It was twenty six attempts. They used play action on forty percent of those dropbacks. He was nine of eleven for hundred and twenty nine yards and three touchdowns. Eleven point seven yards per attempt. Decent. The fact the fact that this team was using play action on 18% of its dropbacks 12 games into this season is absolutely mind-boggling. Insane. But that's what we talked about coming into the game. They had pared down what they knew they did well, and they just spammed it over and over again tonight. And it, it was it worked. It was a masterful job from Byron Leftwich, from everyone on that side of the ball as well. Even the the they had a pop pass uh, to Gronk, and it was just like like you said, they they I what I've watched with the Arians offense over the years is they'll have a drive where they just kind of go like, okay, we're running the ball this drive. All right, duo, 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 and they'll run like three or four times in a row. It's actually kind of funny. They just like uh, they're like, okay, we gotta get, we gotta get this run set up, and they just like as opposed to just running it once, they're just like, no, no, we have to hit a quota. We're hitting it three times this drive, and they'll do it, do it, do it. And like you said, the, the counters that they have off it, it's awesome. It's like not every counter has to be perfect, and it, it matches with exactly what you do because like they they had the pop pass to to Gronk, they pulled the center. Uh, Mm-hmm. I, I I believe I had a friend look up and I I really want to say it was Deontay Lee and he he had to look it up for PFF's numbers I believe, and it was I I uh, the the Bucks only pulled their one of their guys, uh like on a run play like six percent of the time this entire season it's crazy it's crazy I think they were either last second to last or third to last they were bottom three I can remember that part um uh, I can't remember all every number but they, they that it's something like that they pull them like bottom three in the league. That's what's funny is that you can still pull guys on play action and it'll still influence the linebackers. Or in this case, on the pop pass they had the Gronk, Matthew Tyron Tyron Matthew. Mm-hmm. So they they pull they pull the center 
Tyron Matthew goes like, what the hell is going on here? He steps up and then there's Gronk leaking out. And it was like a 20 something yard gain. It's, it's as simple as simple football can be. That is pop pass. That is, that is ninth grade onwards is every quarterback knows how to throw pop pass. But the same <laughs> and, and, thing, the Fournette touchdown was the same thing where it's just a simple power play, but they're not ready for it. Marpet pulls. You have the two tight ends on that side. Wash it down. Gronk just destroyed the linebacker. He was amazing yeah, in this game. They wash was. it down. Marpet pulls around. 20-yard walk-in touchdown. It's This is not really complex stuff, but the fact that it, they are these little tiny curveballs to the fairly simple things they had done all year and that they continued to do, they were just pressing all the right buttons at all the right moments. I am so impressed by how much Byron Leftwich grew as a play caller over the course of the season. I agree. And how much he came to understand the strengths and weaknesses of their offense. And I thought tonight was his best performance by far. It's, uh, hold on, I'm grabbing Mitch for everybody. Here's my cat, Mitch. <laughs> she says hi. If everyone could hear her real quick, say hi to Mitch. This is Mitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad everyone got to meet her finally. Cats, yes, thank you, Mina. Um, no, it's I Byron Leftwich and the the merging. I would say beginning of the season, I was very curious to see that interaction with 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 Byron Arians mm-hmm. and, and Brady, and I truly do think it's a triumvirate that they have there. It's a it's a three man team, a three three man three headed monster. Um, you can see, especially after the bye week, when they started honing in exactly what Brady likes, and that's what's really funny, by the way, about when I was talking about. Oh, uh, oh, they run the same play. They run duo three, four straight times. It's funny because I'm sure Arians has an influence on Leftwich. He, he's got that same line of thinking. Like, you know, I remember Coach Chris's lessons from Wisconsin. If I ever called plays, you know, like those are the lessons that I learned too. And just seeing him meld and merge these ideas over the years or, or over the season, I should say, is really cool because all of a sudden they just go, okay, we, Brady likes these plays. That pop pass I just talked about. I've never seen the Bucks run that. I've never seen Bruce Arians run a version like that. I've seen him run uh, a traditional 989 play action with a tight end moving. I haven't seen that version with a center trap and then a, just a little sneak route by Gronk over the middle. That's a New England Patriots play. Yeah, that's how many times have you seen Gronk do that? Just run right down the middle of the right? field for that exact that, play. But that's awesome. That's good coaching. Good coaching mm-hmm. is knowing, hey, this guy, that's, uh, uh, we've talked about um, uh, uh, the, the Bills running the Mustang package with Cole Beasley. Yep. Same thing. It's, it's going, exact same thing. hey, our guys are really good at this. All right. Rather, I'm not comfortable with it. I don't know what to call it. How do you like to run that play? Oh, you like to run it like this? Okay. Okay. We'll put it in. We'll put it in. We'll put it in. Okay, cool. We do it this. Hey, hey, we got two plays off. That's good coaching. That's just realizing, hey, my shit's not always the best stuff. There's other, there's a million ways to skin a cat. No pun intended because you guys just met Midge. But it's one of those things. It's like, there's a million ways to score points in in, in National Football League. And they, they did. They ran the RPO to Gronk. Like, Aaron's is an RPO guy. What an Brady awesome is an play. RPO. They're not RPO guy. That's a Houston Texans freaking play. That is a Clemson Tigers play running, uh, running the zone read. And as opposed to Brady having to keep it, they just run, you know, the flat to, to Gronk out there. And they got a walk in touchdown. That play is brilliant because it's man coverage down there. Sorensen, who's covering Gronk, has to run with him, but he also has a run fit. So on that play, you can see him just stop at about the C gap or the left tackle and go, do I have to do I have to fill the run here? But he doesn't. And he has to run with Gronk, who's a freak of nature still. We, we talk about, you know, everyone's saying like, oh, we should see Gronk in his prime. He's still freaking good. <laughs> He's still really, really damn good. Um, he could have been the MVP awesome of this stuff. game. He was amazing. Yeah, easily. Easily. Easily could have been. It, it, it's yeah, it, it's 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 awesome. It was a. I, I was hoping a little more out of the Chiefs. Like, I, I really was. It's just that the, the game script got out of their hands, and it's a team that I thought was game script proof. But it turns out three scores is pretty game script proof unless you're playing the Texans last year in a divisional round. <laughs> I loved there, – there was a sequence that led – the two plays before, three plays before, two plays before. Two plays before, Gronk had that play action pop pass down the middle. It was a third and four. And the Chiefs brought pressure, and Brady got – Fournette into the left flat just instantly got it to him completion might have been just like over the middle of the field but he got it to uh, Fournette underneath third and four completion moved the chains I thought that they had they looked so much more comfortable against pressure in this game in part because they were willing to use the running backs to kind of give them easy outlets while everything else 
was gone. Well, it was either they're blitzing running backs right behind it rather than let's dump it to the tight end every single time like they did in the first game. I just thought overall they had so many more answers and plans for whatever pressure looks the Chiefs are going to bring them in this game. And we we talked about that. That speaks to how good the protection plan was for the Bucks. Was um, the 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 ideal with the, with any protection plan, if it be it five man, obviously it's five offensive linemen, nobody protecting. But most protections are six man protections, potentially seven man protections, usually involving the running back. Is the key to protection plan is you get your linemen on the big guys, and the running back only has to block a linebacker or a DB. It's like body types. What it, that's always your plan. That's always you're figuring out the math. You're figuring out everything else, the angles, everything. But that's your number one thing is you're figuring out how to get like bodies on like bodies. And the Bucks did a fantastic job this this game, even being in six man protection, which they're wont to do. Is that in that six man protection they got the running back out, and the Chiefs, a, a, a heavy pressure team like Spags is, like or a, a heavy defensive coordinator like a Rex Ryan, a Spags, or Greg Williams, even a Bowles is that they're planning on you occupying, they're occupying the running back. He can't get out. They're going to mesh it up. They're going to make you waste an offensive lineman. Running back has to block a D end or, or, or a big body because they loop it around. They manipulate something. Speaks to the Bucks' protection plan and their game plan is that so many times this game is it was just the offensive line protecting and Fournette was able to get out or Ronald Jones was able to get out. And they were able to get all five eligibles out into the pass scheme. And doing that puts a lot of strain, especially if you're bringing pressure. Because all of a sudden you're going, we're not planning on this. We're planning on this running back staying in the backfield, looking around, and and I, I got to pick up this guy. I got Sky. I got I got you know bad. That's what bad protection does. Is running backs got Sky. That means running back cover up our asses, cover our asses. <laughs> that's that's what that means. Is running back cover our asses if for everyone that we don't protect. But instead, the Bucks had a great game uh, game plan. Joe Gilbert and Bruce Aarons, Byron Leftwich. They had they had stuff in plan where they're going like we're going to sort this out with the offensive line. Running backs are going to get out to the flat and turn a four yard gain into a twelve yard gain. That's good coaching. That's a that's good opponent game planning. And I uh, we talked about it on Friday is that. Spags is such a pain he has to go against is that he is willing to do these game plan pressures, just like Todd Bowles did with that corner and that nickel, which he has never shown this entire season. That is a game plan pressure. That is something that's unscouted. And Spags is one of the best at that. And even with those unscouted looks, Bucks were protecting it, getting guys out. Brady was finding him. Just, just another, again, we talked about the defense. And I just said, hey, it was a fantastic performance by them. Same with the offense. Just having a protection plan against Spags. Gash or B gash, they just they blocked it up and they were able to get gain after gain after gain after gain, move the ball consistently. That's what you have to do against this defense. And that's, you know, it's key to the game. So many different answers, whether it was running the ball straight at them on that drive, whether it was yeah. screens, whether it was using play action as a way to slow down the pass rush. I love that as an approach because I think it's counterintuitive, but it often works. If you're getting your guys on their pass rushers and you're kind of creating that tiny moment of hesitation right after the ball was snapped, that's a really good way to slow down a pass rush. My favorite moment, I think, of their offensive line in the entire game was on the Gronk touchdown. It was a play action. And Marpet just gets right on the nose and just stonewalls him right in the middle of the pocket, slowly is walking back, but gives almost no ground whatsoever. Brady is able to hold it long enough for Gronk to break back inside after initially having the corner covered up. And it's just all that stuff working together. And that play, I mean, Brady just let that throw rip. And I understand <laughs> the the refs had a, a role in this in the, the second quarter of that game in that drive. Absolutely, they did. I still think mm-hmm. the pass interference to Evans was a pass interference. The, ticky, the Matthew you know, pa- p- penalty to set up that touchdown is a little ticky-tack, or the Brown touchdown is a little ticky-tack. I understand that. You know, we'll t- We can talk about the interception and whether that was actually a penalty over the course of a season, that stuff's going to even out the the Mm -hmm. refs did not determine this game. The chiefs got their asses kicked and did it make Brady's stat line probably look a little bit, did it help the cosmetics of it? Probably. But I still thought that he was in complete command of that game in the ways that he needed to and was able to be the trigger man for a very, very good offensive approach that again, I think pressed all the right buttons. It did. It it was, we even talked about, you know, like leading, like just the run game, even like they, they, they hit the duo, they hit the zone, they hit the split zone. That's what the Bucks are going to run over and over and over. Guess what? They just, you, you had the great joke on it. You said it was the long game. They also just ran, they ran the power out of nowhere and it goes for a touchdown to Fournette. That is a whole, using a whole season 
uh, of throwing fastballs and then all of a sudden just going like, hey, guess what? I have a slider. Here's the straight <laughs> change. Yeah. Hey, buddy. I got I, I, I have four pitches, actually. I, you thought I only had three. I actually have four. I'm just waiting for the playoffs for it. That's what they did. And that is that's that's as much of it is like when you're game planning a team, especially against blitzes or in situational football, you're you're going normal down distance, which is first and 10 or first, second and one to six. You go second and long. Then you got the third and down series, which is short yardage. And then you got third, and medium, third and long, third and extra long. Red zone is the other one. You're really getting situational in the NFL. Chip Kelly had the line. He says he didn't realize until he got to the NFL is how situational the NFL is. He, it's mm-hmm. just not just ball plays. Third and five is different than second and five. It's just it's just how it is. It's just how the game plan is. It's how the defense looks at it. It's how the offense looks at well, it. Well, when you then, only have six plays, it's hard to be, really think about the sports situation. Correct. And it's when you get those types of things and you're able to so if i look if i'm breaking down a team usually i look at the previous four games and any games against us previously usually for a year or two you look at some auxiliary stuff oh maybe i played this defense coordinator three years ago as as a coach or uh uh, the last time we played a cover two team they did this and we like these plays you know that's what you're looking at in the game plan and so when you play a team that I'll say, okay, I watched this team and they ran the ball 200 times and they only pulled a guy 10 times. And I only have a limited practice reps every single day. I only, we only get 40 practice reps on this day because NFL rules and everything. Yeah. I'm not going to really practice against a guy pulling. I'm going to practice against duo zone inside zone, or I'm sorry, inside zone split zone where I'm going to practice against the stuff that we expect to see because we got to look good against those looks. And then all of a sudden you pull a guy that is where throwing these change-ups really matters. And and that's where the good coaches know when you are going to throw the change-up and they don't want to wait on it and they just knock it out of the fucking park. <laughs> and like, when, but all of a sudden you see on the opposite end, they like like the Bucks did. They pulled a guard and it's a touchdown. That is, that is when you are waiting for that two-strike count and you just throw something they've never seen before and you just buckle the whole defense. That That's great play calling. It really is. It's great play design. It's just having the balls to pull it out at that time rather than going... You know, that's not really our favorite play. And uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to run something that I'm comfortable with. And millions of coaches do that. And it's fine. You, I, I, I'm a big time proponent of leaning into it. But this is a great instance of not leaning into it, but throwing the change up off your fastball. And I, I just love it. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Should we talk about Tom Brady? Yeah, sure. Why not? He did okay, right? (laughs) Seven rings. It's, It's one of those things where you don't like to ascribe the entire legacy to how many championships you win in a team sport like this, because I think that Mm -hmm. you can, it can get dangerous in a hurry in terms Mm -hmm. of where, how much of of an impact he had in those moments. But we talked about this throughout the playoffs, even getting there and even being in this position again 
and playing well enough and being the number one team in the NFL in EPA per play offensively during the second half of the season, being one of the two or three best offenses in the league as a 43-year-old quarterback who threw 40 touchdowns this year. I understand that you know he only threw for 200 yards tonight, but it's about getting there. It's about being the steady hand on the wheel that this franchise desperately needed, and he was. No matter how you slice this, what he did this season is unfathomable. Yeah, He's 43 years old, and he played at an extremely high level all year. Your playoff numbers are never going to be these monster numbers for the most part. These games are these individual one-week kind of, I don't know, these self-contained worlds, and all you need to do is win each one and keep moving on. And he's done that for his entire career. The man has won seven Super Bowls. He got to this team with no offseason, turned them into one of the most efficient offenses in the entire NFL. In doing so, helped instill a belief throughout that entire building about what it takes to do this and to win a Super Bowl. And people there will tell you that's real. It's not just us trying to ascribe that to the situation. It's real. And that steadying hand proved to be what took this team over the top. A lot of this roster is the same. It's yeah. really just Tom Brady, a right tackle and a safety. And they went from being a seven and nine team to a team that destroyed Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. It is unbelievable. And I, it's so hard to wrap your mind around what he has accomplished. It There is no, really no overstating it. There's no hyperbole that's out of bounds. He is quite possibly the greatest in like team sport athlete we have ever seen. I would still give it to Michael Jordan because I am extremely biased <laughs> but <laughs> I, what tom brady has accomplished is just so so hard to comprehend in this moment it just seeing him accept that trophy and seeing it again and just how normal it all feels and how familiar it all feels it's i it's hard not to become numb to it in the same way that you become numb to the greatness of patrick mahomes and how just marvel how we marvel at it and how just stupefying his talent is, just the overwhelming greatness of Tom Brady feels the exact same way to me right now. Well, seven rings. It's just, it's, it's just you can't, I don't even understand how to even <laughs> think about it. He was, I was 14, I was 13 years old, 14. I was 14 years old the first time he won one. Okay. I, I just, and, it's crazy. And, and so like seeing LeBron win one in Miami, Cleveland, and then LA, it's like, okay, NBA. That's what it feels like. More movement. It's it's so hard to win. But seeing like just one year out of it, just going switching teams and winning the next year, like in the NFL, especially at a quarterback position, like you see guys like, oh, the guy that the slot receiver or, or or the defensive tackle or something like that, you know, uh, 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 some guy, uh, you know, Romanowski went from the Broncos to Raiders and they started winning there, you know, just, just stuff like that. But it, it is something, there's something to be said. That's why it's it just, there's a human thing of just confidence that comes in the NFL game or, or just yes. game. I'm just talking about sports. It's just, but in the NFL, especially when all of a sudden it's like, as opposed to a guy going like, Hey, we're chasing this. Hey, I, so I was in Oakland. All right. 2016. We had a, we had a, uh, we were talking about short yardage and we we're talking about, Hey, is one yard what's is three feet going to limit you? Bobby Johnson was our tight end coach. He was in charge of our short yardage. He's offensive line coach with the bills, hell of a coach. And he was talking about, Hey, is one yard is three feet going to limit you from the super bowl. And then he goes, all right, boys who here offense, offensive team or offensive unit who's here has won a super bowl. And I want to say one guy raised their hand and it was clutchy with the Ravens. And that was it. And that was the entire offensive unit. And that blew my mind. And I was just like, oh, man, wow, it is really. I knew it was hard. Trust me, my dad's been around it, and he never even went to the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, seeing Kelechi do that, and then Michael Crabtree was the other one who had been to the Super Bowl but didn't win. And realizing, like, just getting to the game is some people's goals in their life. Like, I have made a personal goal of never go to the Super Bowl unless I'm in it. <laughs> and guess what? I'm probably never going to go <laughs> if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm never going to be with the team. But it's it's that is what how people in this league look at it. And then all of a sudden, when you get in and, hey, we have a quarterback we believe in. We love him. We love him to death. He, we think we stud. He's going to lead us to the promised land. He's been to one Pro Bowl. We've been in the playoffs. We've never won a game. I'm just making up a story here. But I'm just saying, like, you get that doubt sometimes. The guy doesn't win. Can this guy win a game? Lamar Jackson won the MVP last year. It didn't win the playoff game. And all of a sudden, it's like, Lamar can't win a playoff game. That's a doubt that sows in your head. 
Tom Brady has elapsed, then you go, it's Tom, it's Tom Brady. He's fine. He's fine. He throws one pick. He threw three picks against the Packers last week. Everyone just, just goes, yeah, matter. whatever, whatever. But guess what? If um, I'm just trying to think of a young, if Josh Allen did that, when we, when just everybody just be like, oh my God, he's done. He's done. He That whole season was a blow up. It, he's, he can't win in the playoffs. He throws three picks. He falls apart. Brady throws three picks. We just go, yeah, whatever. It's Tom Brady. It's, a, it's an aggressive defense. That's the confidence that a guy like him instills. Because it's Not deserved. Team. It's deserved. Yeah. He's earned it because he's going to come back from it. And that's, that's to me is what's so amazing. And I, I've thought so much about the Super Bowl losers recently. And the fact that the Rams just traded Jared Goff, the fact that we saw what happened to the Falcons, the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles won, but the, the teams that lost and just what it yeah. can do to you. And like the brain worms from the Seahawks losing one. Cam Chancellor writing about it this year on yeah. the Players' Tribune talking about how they still thought about it, thought about it every yeah. day. And that belief, and the if, if you have it, and if you think you can win, and in these individual moments, do we think we have the guy? That matters. It really does matter. Yes. And yes. him being there, it took them where they needed to go. It took them over the top. It mattered. And it's just, again, LeBron and just those guys that really have created these resumes that you, you can't even believe them when you look at them. And Tom Brady is absolutely there. The other guy I wanted to talk about, and we'll get to the coaches too. Rob Gronkowski was amazing in this game. Amazing. I, I, the guy took last year off of football as the greatest tight end that's ever played the sport, in my opinion, because of what he does as both a blocker and a receiver, and then just walk back in. And he didn't put up the greatest stats this year, but no one did. Chris Godwin was an all first team or second team all pro last year. He had like 800 yards. That's not yeah. how these offenses work with Brady. And Grant comes into this game, dominates, just dominating edge guys as a run blocker and was the most productive receiver on the field for the Patriots or for the Bucks. I, I have, don't really think about this that often, but I was sitting there watching that game today and just watching him play. And I thought, I wish my dad could have watched him play. Like he, my dad died like right before Gronk came into the league. And like, that was like, he, I, I just had that moment today. I was like, I wish my dad could watch Gronk play. Like he just had this amazing career of just being this football players, football player where he's doing all these little tiny things. And if you love the sport, he was just so easy to appreciate. And this was, a perfect encapsulation of that. Just all the little things he did and how funny he was to watch. And just that guy who's already headed to Canton kind of stamping this onto his resume and the way he played in this game and just adding those moments and catching two touchdowns. It's just incredibly cool. Like it just of those guys in that game and just the one, the moments I'll think about is just the greatest tight end of all time. Just kind of throwing a little bit more on there just because he could. Yeah. And, we watch Gronk and I, I, we laughed. I've laughed at the plays over the years, especially with the Patriots, where he looked like the kid that hate puberty early and he's just carrying three guys and just yes, you know, running yes. into the end zone. And it's, it's one, you know, it's one of those like a thing, like <laughs> I was going to say, like a hipster fan like me and you would be like, yeah, but watch his run blocking. And, yeah, you yeah. know, but, <laughs> but like, you know, but, but it's so cool to watch this year. And it's like, cause he's not doing the, the early kid to puberty things. And I even compared him early this year. I was like, hey, he's in the Jermaine Gresham role where everything's just, he, he gets the two plays designed for him each, you know, each week. And then he blocks the rest of the time. He made, yeah, that was his role. Early, I would say until about week four or five or six. And then all of a sudden the Bucks were like, and this speaks to Byron Leftwich and just accepting it and Bruce Arians and everything, going like, hey, let's get this this let's let's get this damn guy the ball a couple more times because he's pretty damn good. But also they do he's able to unlock those things, like the pass protection thing from last week, where he's pass protecting against Chase Young. Yep. That is that a maneuverable piece like that, versatility is a uh, we lock him into a Y, Z, X, halfback, fullback. But versatility at the position, not only where you can line up, but the uh, 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 the scheme that you can run, the uh, assignment that you have, and the fact that Gronk is not a negative anywhere. He is a plus in a run game. He is a plus in pass, pass protection. He's a plus on a route, a short route where you can create yak, a deep route because he can get there because he's long legged and he can actually gain. He's not a big stiff. You know, he can actually gain yardage uh, 20 yards down the field. So when you have a plus on every aspect of the game that's it's, it's remarkable um my dad is is one of the harsher guys on tight ends because he was he was a true wide tight end he was mm -hmm. a tight end tight tight ends tight end for 14 years he played put it this way he played for 14 years he caught 13 touchdowns if, if, <laughs> 
sums it up pretty nicely, right? Yes. Okay. So yeah. So he's a wide tight end. So for him, he he got reached out to, I think it was Vic Toffer, uh, or reached out to him this week from the athletic about, want to talk about the tight ends from this game, Gronk and, uh, and Kelsey. And he complimented both guys and, and which is, it's crazy to hear that. Cause I thought he would kind of diss Kelsey and say, Oh, he's not much of a blocker, but he was, he was speaking to what a, a genius Kelsey is. We were actually talking about this morning and we're saying like, talking about against zone coverages and just, you know, the, the design basically scramble drills that the chiefs do and, and just seeing Kelsey is just, he, he was a quarterback. You can tell he was a quarterback in high school because he has that, yeah. that spatial awareness that he has in zone coverage. And he, he gets by in the run game and he has gotten better as he's gotten older. But that's the thing is Gronk could do that. And then like 20 other things. And I, I'm not trying to take away from Kelsey. They're, they're both unbelievable players, but it was just kind of cool to hear my dad who is so hard on so many guys, especially at the position he played. He, he's one of those guys. He's like, he's not a tough guy. Uh, he can't block. Uh, uh, he's just a receiver. He should wear an 80 number. He put him in a teen number. You know, he would say those <laughs> old school guy things. But for him, I was talking to him this morning and for him to just rave for about 15 minutes and we just talked tight ends. And it was it wasn't like once he just went, well, he can't block or anything. Or oh, he's old. He's slow now. He just it was 15 minutes of just raving about Gronk and raving about Kelsey. And that's really cool. And it's like yeah. for me, that's a private thing. But it's like. That speaks to these guys. These guys are just freaks of nature. And I know we were talking about Gronk, but I want to throw in Kelsey there too. But it's just, it's special to watch these guys. Tight ends, we shouldn't take for granted. Tight ends are unicorns. Just man. how when many things guy, you have to do. And like, that's the coolest thing about Gronk. And that's cool. I just thing. knew my dad would have loved watching him play. Like it just, he would have loved him and he loved the sport. And that's just the type of guy that I just know that because he does all those little things. And let's, I want to talk about Bruce Arians just really quickly before we yeah. get out of here. Uh, I loved Bruce Arians for a long time. I mean, yeah. I I talk about that 2015 Cardinals team all the time. It's one of my favorite like teams that didn't win a I'll Super Bowl. I love for, watching I, them I swear play. To God, when I make that joke, I, I I'm dead serious when I say that though. Is is Rob? I was in the league. I was with the Falcons. Completely different division, everything. And Robert wouldn't shut up about the 2015 Cardinals <laughs> offense. And that's why I make that joke. But I finally got to watch him this offseason. <laughs> so I finally got to study him. I've, I've, I've watched some plays over the years, but it was like, finally got to study him. But no, keep going, Robert. But that, oh, I, I just, mean that for everyone that's listening to the show. That offense was, I thought, was so fun. And I just love the style and how aggressive it was. And when it looks good, yeah. it looks great. And I think that you could say the same thing about this offense. And Bruce is just a football guy. I mean, it's just yeah. like to his core and it, I'll never forget sitting in his office last year and we were just, I was talking about Bob Byron because I was asking him because Bruce was always that guy where he's like, if I don't get to call plays, I'm done. I, I don't want to do this anymore. That's what I like doing. And I asked him, I was like, why, why didn't, why would you give it up? Like, it, are you ready? Why were you ready to give it up? You always said you never would. And he's pretty much told me, he's like, Byron's the only guy I would have given it to. That's awesome. I, if I so there's cool. no way I would have done this or come back if they wouldn't have let Byron call plays and they would have let Byron be my offensive coordinator. It's the, it's the reason he came back was so to cool. allow Byron to have that opportunity, and that's what Bruce has been for people. And that's the so fact cool. that he is the head coach with three black coordinators, the only yeah. black offensive play caller in the NFL, and Bruce that was a mandate for him to take this job. Bruce didn't want to come out of retirement. I mean, he <laughs> he was living a nice life on his boat in Georgia. He was a, yeah. he's a guy who, you know, he was having he enjoys a nice life. time. <laughs> he was having a nice time. He was playing a lot of golf. Hey, and hey he enjoys life a lot better with a heavy hand, with, with exactly a ring right. weighing down his finger. That Trust me. <laughs> and, and he came back for this job had to be perfect in a lot of ways. And that was one of them. And the yeah. fact and he told me, I, and he said, I was in the, the meetings for about a week and the game plan meetings, everything else. And he's like, I don't need to be here anymore. I can go do personnel. I can be a head coach. That's I can so be cool. a CEO type head coach. And that's how much he trusted Byron. And that's what he put on Byron's plate. And to watch that entire coaching staff find itself over the last two seasons, and especially in the back half of this season, I think it speaks to the leadership in that building, what Bruce is, how he empowers the guys he has. And it speaks to those coaches individually. Those guys are coming back. That yep. staff will be back intact and I think we better be talking about both of those guys as head coaching candidates early on next season because I, agree. I can understand halfway through this year why you wouldn't think Byron Leftwich was ready to do it. Yeah. Now, after what he did after the second half of the season and the changes they made and how flexible they seemed to be, they did an incredible job, both those guys. And I am happy that we're going to talk about Bruce Arians as a Super Bowl winning head coach because I think that he is he waited a long, long time 
to get his chance. I mean, he was 60 years old. I mean, he's, it's, he's the oldest coach to ever win a Super Bowl, but he was only a head coach seven years ago. And yeah. the fact that he, he did it after coming back and what he's done to empower those guys, it's a really, really cool story, and I'm happy for him. What I actually, you know, going into the playoffs when we were first doing our show, we went into wild card weekend and I started kind of, it's so much fun looking at, uh, after season stats, after regular season. Cause finally, when you get a good sample size, the season ends and, and the bucks were second in SRS, a simple rating system from pro football reference. And that just always stuck in the back of my brain. And I was like, and then we did that show and you're like, since their bye week or since the second half of the season, they've been the weed in the EPA and an offense. And I was just like, man, I'm underestimating this team. <laughs> like uh, the whole, that's been in the back of my mind this entire season. I, I thank God I bet on him last week, but it's, um, but what I always love with Arians. Okay. He's enabled Byron Leftwich to, to, to be truly a, a play caller and, and enabled him to, go through the bumps and, and do everything he has. Well, also, like you said, he's not, he's not like, you know, he's not being the puppet master behind he's okay. Probably has some input. Of course he does. He, of course he's going to have someone input, but it really does seem, you know what Tom Brady does. I don't see Tom Brady come off the sideline and go straight up to Bruce Arians. He comes yeah. off the sideline and goes straight to Byron Leftwich. That's enablement right there. You can read a lot by who a player looks at when something goes bad or something goes good. There is something to, again, the human element. You look at a DB coach or a DB messing up. Do they look at the D coordinator? Do they look at the DB coach? Okay. You can learn a lot by when something goes bad or something goes good, who they look at. But I, I, you know, it just speaks to Arians right here is to enable his, his coordinators. I, I know of coaches, especially when they get to more prominent positions, they become micromanagers. And I get it when, especially when you're a head coach, you know, the win and loss goes next to your name. And some coaches are fantastic at just letting things happen and laissez-faire. And some coaches have to micromanage. And it's just, it, it's the nature of the beast. It depends on the feed, depends on the assistant coaches, depends on the quarterback, depends on everything. But it spoke to me that like Arians, they were talking about bowls and, and they said, hey, 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 Todd Bowles, does, does Bruce Arians say anything into your headset? And, he, and they said, maybe run cover zero a little bit more. Yeah. And I love that. Rather than, That's hey, hey, he comes in my ear to like soften up. Like uh, there's that famous clip with Pet, uh, Patin, uh, Petten and uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan in Cleveland. Yep. And he goes, hey, run the ball here. You know, no. Hey, cover. Hey, lean into it. Hey, throw the fastball. Freaking do it. Let's do it. Let's, hey, hey, like, like I love that. Rather than shy up and show up and, and and Jose Marino it and just like no no we're gonna win one nothing no no let's win you know fifty five fifty like hey no we're going we're hey we're taking it to him and I love that and that speaks to Bruce Harris. not only he's gonna hire the guy but he's gonna enable and let him do it. hey run your these shit. guys are and, lifers like, hey, together gonna, it's all awesome. of them it's awesome and that's what he brought awesome he brought Harold Goodwin everywhere with him the fact that byron played for him in pittsburgh and he had to he had to coax byron to coaching because byron didn't want to I, why would you I've want byron, to i've been byron i've been it, around byron since jacksonville i never thought he was going to be a coach i never knew that he wanted to get into coaching i never knew that that was with him when i you, was at pitt and he was at pittsburgh we talked all the time never knew he was going to be a coach if you <laughs> played never knew that. you played for a decade and you made quarterback money and you were a starter and you had that kind of career you yeah. don't want to coach that's yeah. it and he and bruce was like come on come do it and he's clearly he great at it. it. He started. And the fact didn't that, he start as like an offensive assistant? Like yes, he started as a grunt yes, role. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In Arizona, he went down and a different path, that, than, different path than I did. <laughs> the fact that you. Bowles has, <laughs> the fact that Bowles has been there with him, you know, since the Temple days and everything else. I mean, yeah. This is a this is a group that's been together for a long time, and now they're the kings of the castle, man. Now they're at the top of the mountain. They did it. It's the best. And I can promise you, Bruce Arians gonna have a good time tonight. <laughs> Oh, you think? I think. I, 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 thank I God, can promise you. Thank God he knows you. everything in Tampa. Uh, you know, I, I, it's I, like I, he's I, like. I promise you, Bruce Arians is gonna have a good time tonight. And you know what? Hey, congrats to them because they just put on a performance for the ages. Every single yes. one of them. That was. That is a. You cannot play better in the Super Bowl than they did tonight, and they deserve it. What a season! What a year! I mean, it just signing Tom Brady and having it all come together in the first year. It. It's a magical run, and congratulations to them, and uh, congratulations to you, buddy, for getting through your first season podcasting. Oh, I, I appreciate uh, that, man. I, I want to say thank you for doing it. I, When oh, we man. met all those years ago, I never thought that we would ever be able to do this. The fact that no. we've been like, I don't know, we're like real friends. Like, you, like yeah. you like invited me to your wedding. Like, it, 
we're like real friends. And the fact that this opportunity presented itself, it has been one of the coolest things, you know, that I've gotten to do. And I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening this year. It, I can't even tell you guys how much I appreciate it. There's so many options out there. And every single one of you guys that came to do this on Mondays and Sunday nights during the playoffs, whatever, it, it truly means so much to me that you guys would do this. It, my favorite part about podcasting is a medium is the intimacy of it. The fact that we're in your pocket and the way that I listen to them when I'm cooking or I'm walking the dog and the fact that in with all of those other options out there that you guys would take a chance on us this season and so many of you did, I, I can't even tell you how rewarding this experience has been for me and how much fun I had doing this. I, I don't think you guys will understand what this year meant to me. And I cannot wait to keep doing it. I, I seriously cannot. It's going to be such a fun off season. It was such a fun year. And we'll be back later this week, me and Lindsay, but then we'll be off for a little bit, but then we'll be back all year. I mean, we're going to have multiple shows all off season. So thank you guys so, so much for listening. Please, if you can rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice, I would sincerely appreciate that to kind of cap off the year. Please subscribe to The Athletic. All of the coverage we're going to have tonight. Nate Taylor is at the game. Greg Alman is at the game. Lindsey Jones. Probably going to be writing something about the Bucks later this week. I'm telling you, you will absolutely be happy you did. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't done that already. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the entire year. We appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you guys later. This was The Athletic Football Show.